morning. Uh, my name is Amanda Ferry, and I'm on staff here at Orchard as the student ministry worship director and audio and gear coordinator, which is a lot of words. Uh, but basically, that means that on any given Wednesday or Thursday night, you can find me over there, or maybe back there somewhere, uh, hanging out and getting to lead worship with some really, really incredible students and young adults. I'm also here on Sunday mornings quite a bit leading worship, but this is my first time being in this spot on a Sunday morning. And I'm super grateful and excited that we get to be together today. Okay, picture this. It's mid-February, school is in full swing for students, and they're kind of at that place where the excitement of Christmas has worn off, but it's still a little bit too early to be excited about summer, so everybody's just a little bit cranky. It's cold and gray out almost every day, and I think for a lot of us during this time, we get stuck just living day to day. Powering through to the end of winter just so we can get to all of the fun and exciting things that come with spring and summer. Well, this was me a few months ago, trying my very best to make it out of that terrible, horrible in-between time. And, in on, and on an unseasonably warm day, a friend and I decided to go to a coffee shop downtown to get some work done. And as we left, we decided to just walk up and down Main Street for a little bit because it was 40 degrees out instead of 15, and that feels like a perfectly reasonable temperature to hang out outside in. Am I right? And as we were walking down the street, the sun came out from behind a cloud. And as I felt it hit my face, I said out loud, it's not so bad here. This morning, we're continuing our Yes And series. Yes, it's that stupid stage of February winter, and it's not so bad here. That sunny day in February was a prime example of what living in Yes And can look like. Holding space for joy in the midst of struggle. And remembering that God is present and active both in hardship and in joy. So how do we live in the Yes And? How can we recognize pain and grief and struggle in our lives and still hold space for joy? What does this look like in our community, with our friends and our families? To do that today, we're going to look at two chapters in Exodus where we see Moses, his sister Miriam, and the Israelites fully embrace living in the yes and, and doing so by leaning on each other. All right, let's look at Exodus 14. In this chapter, Moses, with the help of his brother Aaron and his sister Miriam, are leading the Israelites out of Egypt, where after quite a bit of convincing, a.k.a. a bunch of plagues, uh, Pharaoh has just freed the Israelites from slavery. But their journey doesn't go quite as planned. God tells Moses to turn the Israelites around and to go camp along the shore of the Red Sea, saying... Then Pharaoh will think. The Israelites are confused. They're trapped in the wilderness. And once again, I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will chase after you. I have planned this in order to display my glory through Pharaoh and his whole army. After this, the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. Did you catch that? God tells Moses to stop the Israelites so that Pharaoh will chase after them. My personal response to that, if I was an Israelite, would be, yeah, okay, sure. We're tired and scared and exhausted and we're confused, and you think this is a good idea. Why? 
You want us to turn around and go back to where people want to kill us. Yeah, sure, that sounds great. But they do it. Moses turns them around and tells them to set up camp, and they do. Why? Why in this moment did Moses trust that this plan wasn't actually going to get them all killed? And why did the Israelites trust him? Now, maybe it's just the cynicism in me talking, but why on earth would they trust that they were not walking straight into and setting up camp in the place that they were about to die? And as foolish as it may seem, this is Moses actively trusting God, relying on the truth of who God is and what he has promised us. And it's the Israelites trusting who Moses knows God to be, who God has proven himself to be. And the Lord does exactly what he said he would. Pharaoh sent out all of his troops, like literally every resource that he had, he sent out, and they came to where the Israelites were camped next to the Red Sea. Now, obviously, the Israelites responded with terror. I mean, what else would you do when you think you're about to die because you're surrounded by the enemy and all of his troops? They get a little spicy with Moses, saying, why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? Weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt? What have you done to us? Why did you make us leave Egypt? Didn't we tell you that this would happen while we were still in Egypt? We said, leave us alone. Let us be slaves to the Egyptians. It's better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. And this is how Moses responds. Don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. And no questions asked, Moses does what the Lord tells him to do. And the Lord does what he says he is going to. He put a barrier between the Egyptian camp and the Israelite camp and turns the sea into dry ground for the Israelites to cross. In those moments of uncertainty, all of the Israelites had to tuck themselves into the trust and the faith of Moses. Tucking in is a phrase that I'm going to use quite a bit this morning, so let me define it really quick. Tucking yourself in happens when you are present to someone else's confidence in the truth of who God is and what he's promised us. See, the Israelites didn't necessarily have the confidence in the moment to believe that the Lord would do what he was telling Moses he would. But the Israelites did trust Moses and his relationship with the Lord. They trusted the one that they had relationship with. They trusted the one that was right in front of them. They tucked themselves into Moses. They were present to his trust and confidence that the Lord is good and faithful and will follow through on his word. Tucking yourself in happens when you are present to someone else's confidence in the truth of who God is and what he's promised us. All right, let's hop back into Exodus. The Israelites have crossed the Red Sea on dry ground, and the Egyptians, who were following close behind, were completely swept away as the waters of the Red Sea came rushing back to where they belonged. And what did they do when they came out the other side? Moses led them in song, singing, I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider he has thrown into the sea. Remember this verse, because we're going to circle back in a minute. I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed 
gloriously. The horse and the rider he has thrown into the sea. Moses stopped and responded with joy. In chapter 15, verse 20, we see Miriam's response. Then Miriam the prophet, Aaron's sister, took a tambourine and led all the women as they played their tambourines and danced. And Miriam sang this song. Sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. He has hurled both the horse and the rider into the sea. She leads the community in singing and dancing and worshiping the Lord with the exact same song that Moses had just led them in. Sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. He has hurled both the horse and the rider into the sea. She tucked into Moses' faith and belief, allowed him to hold space for rejoicing in the midst of the mess, and in doing so, allowed others to tuck into her. Miriam and the Israelites let Moses carry the faith. They trusted him and his relationship with the Lord and rejoiced with him through singing at the unexpected victory that they were in. The Lord will fight for you. Just stay calm. They tucked in. They held space for living in the yes and. Yes, they were scared and they still chose to trust. Yes, every part of the Israelite story feels chaotic. Like at any point, the Israelites could be done for. And we still see God fighting for his people. Now, you might be wondering how the rest of the Israelite community responded to this sudden tambourining and singing and dancing. Yeah, me too. I wish I knew. I would imagine some were like, what the heck, Miriam? We just went through this horrible experience and we're still in the wilderness and you want to stand here and pull out your tambourines because apparently she had multiple and sing and dance, no thank you. Some would probably be like, heck yeah, let's party. That definitely couldn't be me though, for sure. Ultimately, we don't exactly know how the Israelites responded, but we do know that she led them in singing to the Lord and they joined in with her. Just as she tucked herself into the trust and the belief that Moses had, they tucked themselves into her, into her faith, into her trust, into her recognizing that in the midst of the most uncertain and troubling time in their lives, they could stop for a second and rejoice. And rejoice with dancing, no less. The Hebrew word used here for dancing is mihoa which means a token of joyousness after victory. Miriam could have held space here for a lot of things, for fighting, for grieving, for telling Moses and Aaron how stupid they were for leading them out into the wilderness, but instead, she chose to see the victory and to hold space for joy. And it's not that she chose to negate the pain and the hardship. It's that she chose to hold space for both to recognize the victory that did come in the midst of the struggle. And she responded with a token of joyousness. My friend uh, Topher, who's also teaching in this series, has a definition for joy, and it's this. He says, joy comes from knowing who we are and whose we are, from having a hope for the future and a trust that we are in the hands of a loving and powerful and good God. 
And we're able to have joy because of exactly what verse 14 said. The Lord will fight for you. Just stay calm. That's why we're able to respond with joy. Because we're able to trust a loving and powerful and good God who will fight for us. And when we choose to pay attention to the little moments of joy in the middle of pain or worry or confusion, it changes our outlook. When we recognize the space for joy in the middle of hardship, we foster hope. Not just hope for ourselves or for the person standing right next to us, but we can foster hope for our whole community. And that doesn't mean that everything becomes easy because it doesn't. It doesn't mean that all of the pain or grief or hardship or fill-in-the-blake thing that you're going through is magically fixed. But it does remind us that there is good, that we have a hope for the future, and that we are in the hands of a loving and present and powerful God. There's a song we sing here quite a bit called All Praise. We're actually going to sing it a little bit later. But the bridge says these words. Why should my heart grow weary? Don't be so downcast, oh my soul. You are in every moment. You are my greatest miracle. There was a time a couple summers ago when I couldn't even bring myself to say those words out loud, let alone sing them with any sort of confidence at all. And during that time, I went with the worship team to Colorado to help serve backstage at Rocky Mountain High, which if you don't know what that is, it's a big conference for high school students. And what that meant was that every day, at least twice, if not three times a day, I heard these words. I heard these words sung out with confidence by people that I love and deeply trust. These words that I couldn't say because I was tired. I was weary, I was downcast, and I didn't see God as present in my life, and I sure as heck didn't feel like he was my greatest miracle. I didn't have the faith or the belief or the hope or the remembrance of joy because I was so stuck in the middle of the muck of the yes. Yes, life sucks a lot right now. Yes, you feel like everything you're doing is pointless. Yes, you feel worthless, and yes, you feel like God doesn't actually care to be in your every moment. And I was able to tuck in. I was able to tuck in to the confidence of these people that I trust so much to help me remember the joy, to help me carry the hope for the future and the trust that we can put in God because he is powerful and loving and good. Tucking yourself in happens when you are present to someone else's confidence in the truth of who God is and what he's promised us. And the tucking in didn't just happen in musical worship. It happened when we threw a banana peel around the merch table, and it reminded me that joy can come from just being silly. It happened when one of my friends brought me snacks late in the afternoon because I hadn't eaten yet that day, and she reminded me that I was cared for even though I felt invisible. And it happened when another friend sat up with me one night while I rambled about how sad and scared I was about what my future looked like after I graduated college and then laughed with me because we had successfully locked ourselves out of our room where we were staying with like eight strangers at 4 a.m. <laughs> it's in the really tiny things that you'd maybe miss and that don't really seem to matter all that much. But in those moments, all of those people allowed me to tuck in. They held space for me to remember the joy, 
to remember the goodness. And not by doing anything or saying anything or even acknowledging that I was in the middle of what felt like a huge mess, but just by being there, by being physical reminders of the goodness of God. Can anyone relate to this? Have you noticed any reminders of God's goodness in the last week, yesterday, maybe even this morning? Yes, life is really hard sometimes. You won't always have the strength or the courage to confidently sing the songs that we sing or pray the prayers that we're supposed to pray or to really believe the things about God that we know are supposed to be true. I know I don't. And we can still be reminded of the joy of who God is, that we are in the hands of a loving and present and powerful and good God by tucking into the confidence of the people around us. So how? How do we live in the yes and in this way? How do we let someone carry our hope, carry our joy, carry our trust and our faith when we don't quite know if we can? Well, first, it takes us letting people in. I'm super guilty of not doing this, just feeling like it's better if I keep it all to myself, if I don't share how I'm feeling or what I'm going through or processing. Can anybody relate to this? The truth is that we need people. We need to be able to be vulnerable enough to trust, to accept help, and to tuck ourselves into the confidence of others. This doesn't mean basing all of our trust on people or putting them up on a pedestal and thinking that they have it all together and that they're doing life perfectly. It doesn't mean that. But what it does mean is that we're present to someone else's confidence in the truth of who God is. And we allow that to remind us of that truth too. The second part is to acknowledge that it's already happening. People are there whether we see them or not. People are waiting and willing to carry some hope for you, to carry some joy, to have the faith and the trust that you might not know if you can. Sometimes even if they don't know it. It might be subtle, but it's there. And the more we become aware of it, the more we are able to notice the Holy Spirit actively working in our lives. We notice the Holy Spirit and the person in front of us in line for coffee when they pay for our drink. We notice the Holy Spirit in the laughter of the people that we love and care about. And we notice the Holy Spirit in the sunshine that hits our face and reminds us that it's not so bad here. And the more we notice it, the more we're able to take a second to breathe, to hold space for joy in the midst of what might feel like an impossible scenario. And the last part of this is to allow others to tuck into us. Just like Miriam did with Moses and the Israelites did with her, we hold space for joy simply when we show up. We might not even know what exactly we're doing or why we're doing it, but it matters. Sometimes I don't have the confidence to sing the words of some of the songs that we sing here on a Sunday morning, but... Like Miriam did with Moses, I can tuck myself into the confidence of everyone here who can sing those words. You might not be able to dance like a fool or sing at the top of your lungs, but there are people here who can. And it's okay to look at them 
and to take a breath and to recognize that there is good. And just because you can't say it or believe it or do it right now doesn't mean that it's always going to be this way. I can't always look outside at nature and be reminded that God is good and present and active. But I can look at the people who can do that and be reminded that joy can come from knowing that I was created by the same God who created the entire universe. Or you might be able to do those things. And that's so important. Keep doing it. That's why we gather. Whether it's here on a Sunday or in a small group or at dinner with your friends on a random weeknight, we gather to support each other to remind each other, and to foster hope together. You might be carrying joy for someone in super simple, super normal ways. Someone that you don't even know needed it or wanted it. And that's what the kingdom of God looks like. It looks like us leaning on each other. It looks like us tucking into each other and remembering the joy that we have and the hope that we can find in the middle of the yes and. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you are present. Thank you that you are good. Thank thank you that you are active and working in our lives. Help us to remember this morning the truth of who you are and all that you've promised us. Help us to fix our eyes on you together and to be reminded of how present and loving and truly good you are as we lean into community together this morning. Amen.